for that. It's the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away sins. Amen? And only by the blood. Praise the Lord. Thank you, ladies. That was a blessing. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark and chapter number 12. Mark and chapter number 12. Mark and chapter number 12 tonight. And we're going to preach uh, from right around this chapter, a little, little uh, after it, a little before it. And um, one phrase in particular, verse number 37 uh, that uh, I've been meditating on for a, a couple weeks, I guess now, and I want to bring the message from that uh, particular verse, Mark chapter number 12, Mark chapter number 12, and I want to begin reading in verse number 28, and uh, we'll go down through verse number 37, or verses 28 through 37, and I'll begin with verse 28. You join me in verse 29 and so forth, and, uh, and we'll read through verse 37. Let's stand together, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter number 12, I'm beginning with verse number 28, and we read responsively through verse 37. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou Art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst or dared ask him any question. And Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, How say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Ghost, The Lord said to my Lord, Notice the capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. David therefore himself calleth him Lord, and whence is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. Now, there's a, a remarkable here. There's a scribe mixed in with uh, all these uh, uh, Pharisees and uh, scribes and Pharisees and so forth that were trying their very best to tie the Lord Jesus up and ask him questions and stump him, you know. And uh, I, this man seemed to be very sincere, did he not? And even the Lord said, you know, you're just about there, buddy. You're just about there. And uh, after he spoke and the Lord spoke to the rest of them, said, we're not asking any more questions today. And, uh, and so, uh, but there was a crowd watching. There's an unspoken crowd there watching. They're watching this conversation between these smart people and the master, Jesus Christ. And we get down to verse number 37. They must have enjoyed that conversation. They like to see those smart guys tied in knots. And the Bible simply said, and the common people heard him gladly. And the common people 
heard him gladly. I want to speak to you on that little phrase tonight. Father, please, through the power of your Holy Spirit, let me communicate these truths that you've laid upon my heart. And Lord, may we still be and always be a church, a ministry, a home, a family, an individual Christian who cares about people and loves people. Not just certain kind of people, just loves people. Lord, we're all made out of the same stuff. And what a remarkable phrase that reminds us of how you made such a wonderful appeal. Uh, perhaps to those uh, that didn't have much to offer, uh, you called them commoners. And so, Lord, may we learn from this week praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. I, I have read this phrase, of course, many, many, many times. I've heard this uh, little phrase mentioned in sermons. Uh, I looked for a sermon title, couldn't find one. That would mean there's not been sermons, but uh, among uh, the preachers that I listen after and so forth, I did a little, little research looking for a sermon on the title, couldn't find one, but I'm sure there has been. And... Um, but I know the subject's been uh, 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 touched on numerous times in messages I've heard through my life. And I like this little phrase. I like this little phrase. I remember first coming to Ashburn years ago, and a uh, good, good, good man, a good, well-meaning man, uh, got me in this vehicle after a week or two of being here. He said, "Now let me show you. Let me show you the places in town that you need to be careful about. You won't go. To, you don't want to go to these areas because these are rough areas." And I was very kind. I was very respectful. He's much older than I, and I, I didn't say anything about that. But I wrote. I, I took note of where the streets were so I could go back later. Amen. And I was excited. I appreciated him telling me where all the honey holes were. And uh, anyway, but uh, turn me up just a little bit because I'm, I'm just going to stay on this pulpit mic tonight. But uh, anyway, uh, but. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I, think, I think about what Mike Hunter said. And this is a testimony. Uh, I hope uh, you'll, you, you will take this as bragging on the Lord. But anyway, I remember Mike Hunter was uh, one of our city councilmen for years. He's our insurance agent, and he's with the Lord now. And, but he, was, he loved the Lord. And he used to say this. He said, you say, Ashburn's the most segregated place uh, uh, on Sunday morning than any other time of the week, except for Bailey's Grove Baptist Church. I heard him say that more than once. I heard him say it publicly, and uh, I don't. I, I think it was. I think it was a compliment. I'm pretty sure it was a compliment. And uh, but anyway, he saw it as such. He saw it as, as that as a good thing. And you know, we never made an effort to do that. I'm not trying. I'm not. I, you know, I, I, I like vanilla. I like chocolate. I like uh, Rocky Road. Can I get a witness tonight? <laughs> I, I like uh, dream sickle. I mean, like the orange and the, how do you like that? I like that. Amen. But you know what? Listen, I'm not trying to have a rocky road church. Not rock and roll, rocky road. Does anybody get what I'm saying tonight? <laughs> uh, but I, I tell you what I am trying to do. I'm trying to reach everybody I bump into. Amen. I'm trying to reach everybody I, I come across and just love everybody. That's what I want to do. I believe that's the great commission. Amen. I just believe that's what God wants us to do. And, uh, and I believe as we as a church ought to be. Uh, now, listen, let, let, let me say this. Uh, I love the bus ministry. I love the bus ministry. But may I say this? You need to love your doctor as much as you love the bus kids. Do you know doctor, doctors put their pants on one, one pant leg at a time just like everybody else does? I go to the post office and feel this way. I told, this, uh, I, I, told, I told a stranger. Where was I this week? I said this to somebody I was... I was with this week. Where, where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Anyway, I was somewhere. 
But uh, maybe the grocery. I feel this way when I go to the grocery store. I feel this way when I go to the, uh, not, not so much the grocery store anymore, because now you can call your groceries in. Who would have ever thought of that, you know? And you can pull up in front, and somebody brings them out and sticks them in there for you. But not too many years ago, everybody went to the grocery store. If you needed food, you went to the grocery store, right? And, uh, and the post office. The post office is still that way for the most part. I go in the post office, and I think what the Bible said, the rich and poor meet together, and the Lord's the maker of them all. And I told some stranger this week, I, I quoted that verse. I said, look around. I said, you know what? God made every one of us. I said, well, there's some rich folk in here, some poor folk in here. And God made all of us, and we're all made out of the same stuff. Right? Amen? You know, the truth is we're all just commoners. That's the truth. Amen? And, 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 and uh, no big shots, no little shots. And sometimes you run into people like these folks are reading about here who think they're a big shot. Amen. And one fellow is sort of ran with the big shots, but he was figuring out he wasn't such a big shot. Wasn't as smart as he thought he was. He had a, thought he had a good question, you know. And the Lord was helping him straighten him out. I hope he got saved later. I hope he did. Maybe we'll meet him in heaven. But, uh, but the truth is we're all just made out of the same stuff. Amen. And, 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 and our message, I'm so glad the gospel is for everybody. Amen. So the rich for the poor, it's a half Lutonous the wealthy is for the impoverished, uh, it's for the common man. Amen. And these crowds that came and heard the Lord Jesus Christ and listened to these conversations as he tied the doctors and the lawyers and the scribes and the Pharisees in knots who were trying to entrap him, by the way. Their questions were insincere. They wanted to entrap him, ensnare him, and try to make him look foolish to discredit him. And he just tied him in knots. And, uh, and the common people said, we like that. Amen. We like that. And the common people heard him gladly. Do you know that your New Testament was written in Greek? But it was not written in the, uh, what you might call traditional or classical Greek. Aristotle wrote in classical Greek. Plato wrote in classical Greek. Socrates, the great, uh, what we would call the great men of literature, wrote in classical Greek. Do you know your Bible, your New Testament, was written in Koine Greek? The word Koine uh, simply means, is, is the Greek word for common. Your New Testament was written in common Greek. Just like we would say, just plain English. Have you heard that phrase? Plain English. Now, it was the Greek, the Koine Greek in which our, uh, the Lord, by divine inspiration and, and orchestration of the Holy Spirit, delivered us this uh, New Testament in this language. Why? Because it was the language it wasn't, it wasn't the language of the intellectuals. It was not the language of the doctors and the lawyers of the day. It was not the uh, uh, language of, uh, of the uh, 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 literary geniuses, but it was the, 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 the language of the tradesman. And it was the language of the housewife. And it was the language of the laborers. And it was the language of the farmers. It was the language of the working class. It was the language of the common man. Turn with me, keep your fingers in Mark 13. And look what Paul wrote over here in 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1. And we'll pick up uh, and down here in verse uh, number 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 17. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. By the way, all the baptismal regeneration people ought to read 1 Corinthians chapter 17 and, 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 and first line in the verse. 1 Corinthians 1.17 and first line. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, I'm, I'm for baptism. Amen? But baptism is not the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. Side note. Keep going. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Quoting from Isaiah. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know what old-fashioned you know old preaching? You know what preaching is? Preaching is God's way of, of giving eternal, wonderful, profound, deep truths in plain language. He wants it out there for the common man to hear and the common man to understand. Amen. That's why God chose preaching. He even called it fully. He said, I recognize. I recognize the wise people in this world would, would turn their nose up and, 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 and look, look, down, uh, look down their nose uh, at, at preaching. He said, but I chose preaching. And I know the world it looks like a bunch of foolishness, but that's what I've chosen to get the plain truth out. He says in verse number 26, you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh. Now there are some, there's some, there's some Charles Spurgeons. But not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. There's a few William Bordens who turned their back on their fortune and C.T. Studs who came from nobility, if you will, from that uh, 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 class of people that uh, uh, would be favored uh, and, and to which others would desire to attain. But those, uh, a few of those uh, uh, turned their back on that life and said, I, I, just, I just choose uh, to go outside the camp where Jesus is. I just choose what the world would call a bunch of foolishness. And, and uh, so we see, you see your calling, brethren, verse 26, Helen, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught to nothing things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Listen, when truth is proclaimed as God uh, determined that it ought to be proclaimed in plain language where anybody and everybody can sit and learn something and walk out the building or walk away from the gathering and say, you know, I got that. I can go home and do something about that. Uh, God said, uh, that's where I want it. I don't want, uh, I don't want it such that you walk away and say, but boy, that guy's real smart. Uh, that guy's, uh, uh, boy, he really knows a lot. But God said, I want my truth presented in old fashioned preaching. 
I want it made plain. I want the crowds to know and understand. I want it like a greasy wrench. You can fix something in your life with it. And God shows foolishness of preaching. He called it to salvage lives. He gets the glory that way. Amen. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I've been thinking, why in the world did, they, did, the, did the common people here in Gladys? Well, number one, I'll say this. this is, and I'll be honest with you. These are my meditations, all right? This is not a doctrinal sermon. This is an observational sermon, all right? And this tell you what I think. And I think I got some pretty good ideas. At least I like mine better than yours. Number one, number one, I think they, they heard him gladly because he spoke to the common man. He didn't speak down to them. He didn't speak at them. He spoke. To them. He spoke to their needs. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to be that person. Amen. I'd, be like the, I'd like to be like Christ in that regard, that, that, that I could speak to people. And um, when he spoke, uh, he spoke about a lost coin. He spoke about a lost sheep. He spoke about a son, a son who, who left home, broke his parents' heart. He spoke about a sower who went forth to sow. He spoke about a man who planted a vineyard. My point is, he spoke in terms and he spoke in language that the common man could hear and understand. Now, folks, let me tell you something. I'm not trying to spiritualize a certain uh, a, a, a social class. I'm not trying to spiritualize an economic class. Uh, I, I, I've known, listen, I've known folks who, 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 who were just about as, I mean, they... they, they uh, <laughs> They owed more than they ever paid back in a lifetime of earning, but they walked around like there was somebody with their nose in the air. And then I've also met some folk that you and I would call filthy rich that if you looked at him, you said, that guy ain't got two nickels to rub together. Sometimes, if we're not careful, sometimes we spiritualize things that are not spiritual. Poverty is not spiritual. Being poor is not spiritual. Somebody said, yes, give me a little log cabin in the corner of glory land. You're not going to find one. <laughs> you're not going to find it you'll be sleeping on the street then if that's what you're looking for no 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 I understand listen I, we all like our culture we all like our culture and, and, and hallelujah for that nothing wrong with that but, but sometimes we spiritual I'm not talking about I'm not talking about poverty I'm not talking about we're, 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 we're more spiritual and, and because of where we're born or how we're born or how we're raised or whatever the truth is some of the, the finest men of faith in the Bible Abraham was incredibly wealthy and in his wealth expanded with succeeding generation and those men were great used of God. You can be wealthy and spiritual and you can be wealthy and as, as wicked as a devil. But you can also be poor and spiritual and poor and as wicked as a devil. Amen. Having money doesn't make you greedy. Some of the greediest people in the world don't have two nickels rubbed together. They want whatever else they got. They don't have anything. So I'm not trying to spiritualize a, 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 an economic status or a social status. But what I am saying is that the, the, the common people heard him and they understood him and they loved him and they appreciated his message. They were glad to hear somebody who didn't talk down to them and turn their, turn their nose up at them, but someone who spoke in terms that they could understand. And they said, you know, that helped me. That helped me. You know, that's what we all do. Amen. We'll be like Christ. I'll just say, I want to help somebody. I want to help somebody. 
Preaching is truth made plain. Uh, uh, keep your finger here, Mark, and, and, and jump over to Luke chapter 3. John the Baptist was this kind of a man. John the Baptist was this kind of a man. And uh, he, spoke, he spoke plainly. You didn't have to guess what he was talking about when he preached. And, and, uh, and, and boy, the crowds came to John. All the crowds came. And uh, we won't read all the details here, but I'll go ahead and fill a few uh, details in for you. The religious leadership is he's getting ready to talk to. Show up at the baptism down at the Jordan River. All the folks who lived up and down the river came to the baptism. The folks in the city poured out of the city, and they came, the Bible says. And, uh, and they were being baptized of John. We pick up verse number 3. And he came into all the country about Jordan, uh, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he, now I'm talking about John the Baptist now, then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. Now you put the other gospel accounts together, you'll find out he's talking specifically to the religious crowd. All the crowds are down there at the Jordan River. People are, a synagogue attendance is down because everybody went out there to hear the evangelist at the riverside. And so some of those guys said, we're going to go down there. If we're going to appeal to the people, we'll have to do what all the people are doing. Everybody's getting baptized these days. So we can do that. We'll go get baptized herself they'll like us better that way and verse number seven then said he to that crowd the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him oh religious leadership we're well we well, <laughs> he didn't say that oh generation of vipers now you know those common people enjoyed that how many of you love it when the preacher really skins somebody during a sermon? Come on, I'll be honest with you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll get him, preacher. And then we get quiet when he's talking about our sin. But anyway, buddy, if we somebody else's sin, we love it. And uh, in this crowd, they loved it. And uh, uh, old generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. Let, uh, uh, let, let's see. Uh, let, let's see uh, some evidence that you uh, want to repent and begin not to say within yourself, here's what he says, I know what you're thinking. We have Abraham to our father. Here's what he means by that. We don't need to repent. We have the lineage. And then he, his answer, he, he's reading their minds. He calls them out, what they're thinking. And, uh, and then he says, for I said, he answers their question. They didn't get their, their, uh, their rebuttal. Uh, 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 they didn't get to give it because he said it for him. And then he answers it. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. I think that our dumb as a box of rocks is derived from this passage, maybe. But anyway, basically what he's doing. He said, I know why you guys are here. You know more repent. They say, I know what you're thinking. You don't need to repent. You got a pedigree. You ped uh, a pedigree. You got a title. You don't need to repent. I got news for you. You think you're really something because you're a seed of Abraham. I got, if Leptis of God won't take you, turn that rock into a child of Abraham. That is, that's no big thing. And now, verse 9, also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people, now not the crowd, not, the, not this religious crowd, but the, that, those common folks that are, that are watching this, they asked me, so what shall we do then? Man, John the Baptist is plain preacher. And, and the folks said, what, John, what should we do? And he answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. 
And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. He said, he said, take care of each other's needs. Have compassion. Be generous. Verse 12, then came also publicans to be baptized. Now, now wait a minute. He didn't rebuke this crowd. It's funny. He rebuked the religious crowd. You get that? But here come the publicans. These are the tax collectors. This is what Levi, what Matthew was. This is what Zacchaeus was before he got saved. These are men who stole. They were extortionists. Everybody knew they were hated because they, they were the tax collectors. They, they collected more than they should have collected. And they pocketed the difference and they were filthy rich and they were hated for it. And the publicans, they want to get saved. They repent. They want to get saved. They uh, get baptized. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said to him, Master, what shall we do? He said to them, Exact, no more than that which is appointed. He said, simple. Stop taking advantage of people. Be honest. Amen. And the soldiers, likewise, demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? He said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. He said, Quit pushing your weight around, and quit pushing that uh, your title, a soldier. He said, No, sir. He said, And by the way, quit griping about your pay rate amen glory that's pretty plain isn't it oh listen to me. you know you know what preaching is preaching is truth made plain i'm so glad listen i'm so glad that god has chosen the foolishness of preaching uh, to salvage the lives of the believer to save them that believe it's been said that the most important hour of the week in the nation is the hour when god's men approach the pulpit it's been said that preaching is teaching with a tear in the eye it is the gift of god wrapped in an excited voice it's the soul of the church and the moral level of the generation that comes next do you know that every great denomination, I'm talking about uh, a gospel preaching denomination, was founded on old-timey preaching? Did you know that? Did you know that? Uh, John Wesley said this. Uh, he said, I, people say, oh, how do you get those crowds? Uh, how do you explain all the people that flock to you? He said, I just set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Sam Jones, a famous uh, Methodist evangelist, uh, he went to a conference with a friend. He was riding home on horseback from the conference, and uh, Sam Jones looked at his friend and said, I learned something this. I learned something today. He said, what did you learn, Sam? He said, I learned this. I learned today that my pulpit is a throne, and I am a king. That's a man who understood the importance of what he was doing. Richard Baxter, the great Puritan preacher, said, I preach as, as never sure to preach again as a dying man to dying men. Oh, listen to me. Preaching is truth set on fire. Preaching is truth made plain. Preaching is the power of God unto salvation. Preacher, preaching is, is the greatest adversary, to sin, adversary of sin and of Satan. Oh, listen. Uh, the Lord talked about preaching in Acts 8, 4. He said those that were scattered abroad being persecuted went everywhere preaching the word. Paul and Barnabas uh, went to Antioch teaching and preaching the word. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.18 we read a while ago. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Uh, Paul said my preaching uh, is with demonstration of the spirit and of power. Not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In Titus 1-3, God manifests his word through preaching. Jesus quoted in Luke 4 from Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach. In Luke 4-43, uh, 
Jesus said, I must preach. In Luke 9, 2, he sent them to preach. In Acts 4, 5, 42, daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts 10, 42, they were commanded to preach. Romans 1, 15, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach, Paul wrote. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him and who they've not believed in? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Oh, listen, my dear friend, we need to go out in the streets and the lanes and the highways and the hedges and house to house and door to door and place to place in the workplace at the, at the lunch table with our co-workers and we need to proclaim plainly the truth of Jesus Christ. A preacher is a proclaimer. Now, we, I like preacher. It's kind of like a, oh, it's sort of like a pastor nickname. I, don't, I like preacher. And, uh, but you know what? Preachers are proclaimer. Everybody can preach. I don't mean pat, nobody, not everybody can pastor. We understand that New Testament qualifications for the pastor, the bishop, the elder. But everybody's supposed to be a preacher. Everybody's supposed to be a proclaimer. Everybody's supposed to speak up for the Lord Jesus Christ. God has chosen this to disseminate his great truth, to get it to the common man and get the word out. Number two, let me tell you why I think the common people heard him gladly. By the way, this next point's not as long as the first point. <laughs> Look at Mark 12 again. Go back there. I believe the common people heard him gladly. Number one, because he spoke to the common man. Number two, I believe they heard him gladly because he exposed hypocrisy. You know, <clears throat> We won't take testimonies tonight, but we could for a good long while if we decided to. I believe probably all of us in this room are just sick and tired of a two-tiered justice system, sick and tired of double standards for leadership and the common working man, where somebody with an office and somebody with some power can lie and cheat and steal and then accuse everybody else of doing the same thing. I, most of us are sick up to here. Amen? And, and, and you know why we watch too much news and you know why we listen to too much news? We like to live vicariously through some of those folks because they can rant and rave about something and it makes us feel better that somebody else rant and raved about it. Amen. Now let me tell you something. I believe these folks liked it that Jesus called out the hypocrites. Look down at verse number 38. Right after that little phrase in verse 37, the common people heard him gladly. The scripture continues in Mark 12, verse 38. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes. Now look at me for just a minute. You remember now he just finished a conversation with these folks. And now he speaks to the crowds and he says, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces. <laughs> you know what he said? He, he, he's talking to this guy. And one, this, this last guy is very sincere. And then he turns to the crowd and he says, You watch out for those folks. That love long, they love to be long clothing. They love to be noticed. They love to be noticed. And salutations, that's, that's titles. Did you know that the Bible tells us over in Matthew chapter number 23 that in the form of a title, you're to call no man master. You're to, you're to call a, 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 a no man father. Let me, let me show it to you. Let me show it to you. Some of you may not have seen this before. Turn to Matthew with me, if you would. And uh, uh, 2023. 20, uh, 
he said, uh, uh, he's, he's talking about this, he's talking about these scribes and Pharisees in, in this passage. Uh, verse 5, all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They like to be noticed by their outfits. And love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for, for one is your master, even Christ. Look at me, folks. Uh, he's not speaking against showing respect for authority. But what he is, is speaking against is those who would supplant Christ, supplant God himself. Uh, you, don't, you don't look to a man like you look to the Lord Jesus. Amen. That's why, that's why we, don't, we, we don't believe in a priesthood. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Because the veil was rent in the temple from the top to the bottom. When Jesus said, it is finished. That, that huge veil in the temple was torn. That's why many, the Bible said, many priests were saved. Many priests believed on Christ at the resurrection. Why? Because can you imagine those guys in the temple office? That had to be a noisy uh, spectacle. And they go in there and that veil which separated uh, to go past that veil meant certain death before the death and resurrection of Christ. To even go into the Holy of Holies it means certain death. Uh, to approach the, uh, the uh, Ark of the Covenant means certain death. And, and then that veil was for the top of written too. And people said, whoa, some of those priests said, oh my goodness. Now, listen, he's not speaking against showing respect, but he is speaking against those who would stand in the place of God. Now, you listen, you don't go to a man. You don't confess your sin to a man. That's not in the Bible. You don't confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? You don't go, you, no, no man can give you forgiveness. No man can hocus pocus over you and splash a little water on your forehead and forgive your sins. No, sir. No, sir. Christ alone. Amen? The one who paid for your sins is the only one who can forgive your sins. Amen? Nobody can give you forgiveness. He didn't pay for it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Amen? He can give forgiveness because he paid for it. Now we're back in Mark chapter 12 again. He said unto them in his doctrine, verse 38, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces. And the chief seats in the synagogues, and the uppermost rooms at feasts. They love to feel important. Which devour widows' houses. They were corrupt. And for pretense make long prayers. They pretend. They're fake. I, listen, I, I'm not trying to be unkind, but I could quote some of the prayers. I can go to funerals. I've been to many funerals, shared funerals with every kind of person you can imagine. And I just about declare I could pray the prayers for them. It's a, it's a craziest thing to me, and uh, I've heard it so many times. I got uh, I can only imagine I can I can quote it frontwards and backwards because I've heard it a million times at funerals too. It, sorry if that's your favorite song. Anyway, but uh, uh, but but stands up, reads out of a book, reads a prayer out of a book. Oh, for crying out loud, just talk to God. Just talk to God for crying out loud. For pretense, make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. Look at verse number 40. Devout, which devour a widow's houses. You know what these rascals did? You know what some of these religious leaders did? They literally took advantage of widows. 
They took advantage of widows. That was, should have been used to take care of those widows. And they said, oh, no, it's been dedicated to God. They made an excuse for it, made a religious thing. And God said right here, he said, to steal is sin, Exodus 20, 15, thou shalt not steal. Proverbs 6, 30, 31 said, uh, if you steal because you're hungry, people understand, but you still pay it back seven times over. And so stealing's wrong, but here he says it brings greater damnation. What he's saying is, is to steal from the vulnerable is particularly egregious. It's more severe, and it brings greater damnation. And this, listen, this religious crowd that stands up and says, send me your seed money. I blew my nose on this handkerchief and you hang this handkerchief in your window and pray seven times to an oak tree. Then you'll have a miracle and your house will get paid off. Listen, that crowd right there are charlatans and they're liars. The prosperity gospel is a, is a false gospel. You listen to me. Listen, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't get any special faith. Listen, we should give. The Bible said, Given it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to your, give to your bosom. But we ought to give our lives wholly uh, consecrated to Jesus Christ because of what he did for us. If never the first blessing was given in return, they shall receive the greater damnation. I think he exposed their hypocrisy and appreciated him for it. Look at what, that's what he did in chapter, uh, look at chapter 12, verse 1. Look at verse 1. Here's what he's doing in, in uh, exposing their hypocrisy. He began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And at the season, he sent to the husbandman a servant that he might receive from the husbandman a fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him and beat him and sent him away. Here's a man, look at him, here's a man. Jesus telling a story. He told a story about a man who got a piece of land. And he worked the land. And he built the land. And he planted a vineyard. All of the labor, the planting, the clearing, the fencing, the building, building, the tilling of the ground, the planting, the guarding, the hiring, the harvesting that would bring forth the bounty. The husband would, would share in this harvest, yet these hired men want it for themselves. And so in verse number three, these men who've been hired to look after someone else's vineyard, someone else made the vineyard productive, and they were hired to come and take care of the vineyard. What did they do with the messenger who came to collect? Verse 3, they caught him and beat him and sent him away. You can see they're getting progressively bolder. They caught him, then they beat him, then sent him away. Verse 4, and again he sent them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head. And sent him away shamefully handled. They're beginning more cruel, more violent, and more vile. And again he sent another and, he, and him they killed. Now they're murderous. And many others beating some and killing some, having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will reverence my son. In other words, surely they won't go that far. Surely they'll have respect for my son. They've killed these others that I sent. But those husbandmen said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard, emboldened, envious, and furious. They murdered the son, thinking they could simply claim the vineyard as their own. 
Verse 9, what shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. And have you not read this scripture? Psalm 118 is quoted here. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 12, and they, these priests, these scribes and elders would have done exactly what the husbandmen in the story would have done if they could have. They sought to lay hold on him but feared the people. The polling was such that it wasn't the right time. For they knew that he had spoken the parable against them and they left him and went their way. They began to plot how they could get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus was doing with his stories? He was exposing the hypocrites. When we get down here, uh, 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 we get down here uh, to, uh, to uh, 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 verse number uh, 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had understood them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. He's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. And then he says in verse 31, And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. And there he quotes from Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18. Can I tell you why the common people heard him gladly? Number one, I think because he spoke to the common man. Number two, because he exposed hypocrisy. Number three, I believe he simplified their duty. <laughs> these folks who were insanely jealous of Christ and hated him and wanted him killed and eventually would get the crowd in uproar and get him killed. They're scribes. These were the these are the folks who the, the, the ones who copied the scripture. They spent their life in uh, in the scriptures. The scribes had determined that the Jews were obligated to one hundred and sixty three laws, three hundred and sixty five thou shalt nots, two hundred and forty eight thou shalts, and Jesus summarized it all in two commands. He said, "Listen, you want your duty: love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." And love other people the way you love him. And I imagine some of those folks said, Wow, I can do that. I think about how far you can go with a stick on the Sabbath day. I always forget that one. I'm always worried that I go two steps too far. But love God and love people? Oh, I think I could do that. Amen? Oh, listen to me. The common people heard him gladly. Let me show you something else here. Look at chapter 12 again there. And look at verse number 41. I think they heard him gladly because he spoke to them and because he exposed hypocrisy and because he simplified their duty and because I think, I think maybe they heard him gladly because he respected their sacrifices. Look at Mark 12, 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow 
hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want, of her lack, she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. I believe the common people enjoyed hearing him because he spoke to them in a way they could understand. He exposed the hypocrisy of the day. He simplified the bazillion laws they were expected to keep and said, here's your duty, love God and love people. And he noticed and respected their sacrifices. Here's a little lady. She throws in, can we just say a penny or so? She throws in a penny or so. And all these other folks have come and made these great offerings. He said, fellas, see that little lady over there threw in a penny or two? That lady right there gave more than all that crowd right over there. Because she gave it as a sacrificial gift. She gave of her living. You know, there's a million things you can do with your life. But I can't help but think that God in heaven who says that he beholds the evil and the good doesn't look good. Sometimes we read that verse and we think, oh, God sees me. I do something bad. God sees me. God sees me. But the verse says he beholds the evil and the good. Amen. God sees when we do right. God sees when we do right. Now, listen, I don't want to spoil all your fun. I don't want to take all your hobbies away. But I just want to say this. I believe when the trumpet sounds, and I believe it's going to sound soon, it might sound before we finish this message. You say, how long do you think this message is going, Pastor? <laughs> it might happen before this message is over. But I'll tell you something, I'd rather be in church. I'd rather be giving out a gospel tract, teaching a Sunday school class, running a bus route, singing in the choir. I'd rather be doing something for the Lord with my life when the trumpet sounded than any million other things you could do. And the fellow said uh, Saturday night, he said, yeah, I'm going hunting in the morning. And I thought again, that just happened a couple years ago. I can't remember, mine a year or two ago. But don't you remember when Sunday was a special day? Don't you remember when you couldn't get to, you, you get, the stores were closed? You remember that? And it's just like one little domino at a time, one little domino. It's happening in every segment of society, more and more secular, further and further from God. Sunday's just another regular day, and that was just another domino that went down. Now you can go out in the woods on Sunday when you ought to be in church instead. Just another thing. Can I say this, my dear friend? God sees your faithfulness. God sees your giving. God sees your love for people. God sees your witness. Amen. He sees that. He sees that. And he knows it. And I can't escape the fact that three times, I won't go to them, but in Mark 5, 19, 8, 2, and 9, 22, we have Jesus' compassion center stage. I can't help but think that the crowds came to him because they knew that he had compassion that made a difference. Jude 22, and some have compassion making a difference you want an audience with anybody you want an audience with anybody anybody rich poor strong weak healthy unhealthy you want an audience with any anybody you find a way to show you care and you'll have an ear the common people heard him gladly i want to be used that way don't you let's bow please father give us a hunger